Wow, isn't it great to be here today? Gosh, you know what, let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And God, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, just to be here in your house, in your presence. And Father, for God to do the work that you want to do in every heart, in every life, every believer that's standing here today. God, we just say thank you. Thank you for giving us another week and, and seeing us through. Thank you for being our God. Thank you for loving us and showing so much love and compassion, Father. And God, as we go about here in the next few moments and get into your word, my heart's cry, my heart's prayer today, Father, is that we will all be challenged. But more importantly, Lord, that we will all accept the challenge that's laid before us. And even more so, God, that if there's any here who don't know you, Jesus, as our Lord and Savior, that today, God, would be the day of salvation. But Father, we know that your presence changes all things. And we want your Holy Spirit to be in this room now and just move how you see fit. Lord, communicate to us exactly what it is that you want us to hear in your word today. In Jesus' name, and the church says enthusiastically, amen. amen. All right, you could be seated. Wow. First of all, happy Thanksgiving to be. I know many of you have... Some are traveling, many of you will be traveling, some of you will just be hanging out at home. You know, this is one time, this is one of the times of the year where you have to be with those family members that just go, we'll get over it, all right, you'll be all right, suck it up, you'll be good, all right? And uh, for those of you who are going out Black Friday shopping or weird Thursday shopping, may the Lord be with you, okay? I do online Shopping. That's how I do it. All right. But, uh, you know, it was great to have Tommen with us today. Where Tommen, I think, went out. Man, I love that young man. He's awesome. He's doing great things at school, I know, and it's great to have him up here with us today. But um, before I get into the message, I wanted to let you know, and you're going to be hearing more information about this as we uh, continue uh, and to get closer to the new year. But uh, 21 days of fasting will be beginning in the first of the year. And uh, so I want you to begin to be prayerful about that. Uh, what is it that you want to give up during that time, that period of fasting? And I tell you, we've done it the last two, two years here at the church. And I, 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 I sit there and think about it and I go, I can't even see us not ever doing it. You know, it's a part of our DNA now. And I'm so appreciative of what you guys do as a church and participating with that because I truly believe you know, God really moves in our lives during that season. That's one of those spiritual disciplines that we can't give up, right? Reading in God's word, spending time in prayer, and having a fasting time annually. So uh, just be in mind of that. You'll, you'll be hearing more information about that as that time approaches. But last week, here's what we started. We started this uh, sermon series, mini-series actually, on Discover Jesus, okay? We looked, you know, in, in, in that, and, and we saw... Uh, Jarius there in the Bible, how he discovered Jesus, you know, through that deep, dark need that he had in his life. What did it do? It drew him to go after Jesus. And because of his obedience, if you recall, in going after Jesus, what else happened? The lady, the woman with the issue of blood, what happened in her life? She was touched. She was healed. And one of the points that I tried to drive home last week with regard to that message was when we are obedient, not only does it affect our lives, but it affects those around us. Maybe not even within your own circle, because I don't know that this woman was in any circle of influence of Jairus' life. But regardless of his obedience, what somebody else's life was impacted for the greater good, was it not? 
And so I, I tend to sit there and look at, and, and on a, you know, in, in our lives, and I go, wow, God does the same thing for us. When we are obedient in what God is laying in our hearts and our spirits, man, he just, what, what happens? People's lives that we come in contact with are what? Also, you know, blessed because of that. But we're going to get into the message today. And, you know, I, I, first of all, I just saw your face, man. Cruno, it's great to have you, buddy. You know, Cruno's coming through a long struggle. I love you, man. You and Cindy, thank you. But um, we're, I want to ask this question before we go any deeper into the message today. And that is this. It's, I think it's also in your notes today. But is this. Are you fully committed to Jesus, right? Most of us in here will be like, well, yeah, pastor, I'm here every week. Absolutely, I'm here all the time. Yeah, I'm, I'm fully, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, all of that. Let's look at that word committed, actually. It, you know, when you look up in the dictionary, this is what it means. It means it's a state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, an activity, an engagement, and an obligation that restricts freedom of action. So are you fully committed to Jesus and to the impact that it what? Brings about quality of being dedicated. That you, you are what? You're fully committed to Jesus because of the cause. You're fully committed to Jesus, what? In the engagement. You're fully committed to Jesus through obligation of what he has done for your life and what he has done for humanity. We want to, what? Show our appreciation in return and be fully committed to him. So let me ask that question again. Are you fully committed to Jesus? Think for a moment of the things within your life that you are most passionate about. Those things that make you excited or bring passion or bring excitement, you know, to bring anticipation. Those things that bring like that sigh of relief, those things that bring that joy that just comes over you. Think about it. What are those things that you have passion for within your life? Some of you, right, it could be some type of extracurricular activity. It could be fishing, right? Some type of sport. I'm all about sports. I love sports. Baseball, love sports. Football. You know, I find myself this season, during the football season, I used to be a huge, huge NFL fan. And I've realized this season that I've not necessarily watched very much of it. I'm more into the college realm of everything. You know, it's, it's crazy because we'll be out, you know, if my wife's, you know, if we're out with the family or, or uh, you know, out and about, you know, here's what I'm doing every now and then. Go to my ESPN app. Check the scores. See what's going on, right? We go to a restaurant, and I love restaurants with TVs. Can I get an amen for that one, right? Yeah. All right, especially during a sports season that I'm excited about. Why? Because Buffalo Wild Wings, where, they're, they're everywhere. You're surrounded. It's like heaven, all right? And you know, what, what am I doing? I'm, I've got a passion. There's something there that's driving me after that. You know, then we have passions, what? For our families. We better. Don't look at your spouse. Don't, don't look at them right now, you know. But what, you need to have a passion for your spouse. You need to have a passion for your children, right? There needs to be a what? A level of commitment. And you know what we don't like to hear in society today is that word commitment. So many people just cringe at the word commitment. You know why? Because people have been hurt because of commitments that have what? Been broken. Many times people don't like to I hate to say it in this way, but be submissive to a commitment. 
What does that mean? When you give your word on something, when you are committed to something, it doesn't matter what else is going on around you. Your attention, your focus, your drive should be centered on what you have become committed over. Within your marriage, if you're married and you have your spouse and you're going through a rocky time, it doesn't matter. You have a commitment. You stay strong in that commitment. God works through you, through prayer. Some of you through fasting, amen, right? God works through those commitments that we have. Commitments within raising your children appropriately in the body of Christ. Showing an example of Jesus Christ. What are we? We are committed to doing that. So what are we supposed to do? To live that life so that our children will see it and then one day hopefully do better than we were at it. Living it. So, so many people today, when they think of the word commitment, uh, how about this? Who really RSVPs anything to a party or a wedding anymore? Right? Okay, we got one person that doesn't. That's great. All right. Watch this. I'm waiting to the last second and the last minute to make sure nothing else is going on that maybe I want to be a part of better. No, no, no. I'm saying in general, right? Oh! Ah! I felt them daggers come at me all of a sudden. Think about that, though. That's what happens a lot of time. Why? Because people don't like commitment. So many things, sometimes they get let down. Things get broken. People get upset. But let me ask you this, that question again. Are you a fully committed to Jesus Christ? When we think about the level of commitment, when we think about the level of commitments that we have towards sports, when we think of the levels of commitments we have to our families, when we think of the level of commitments that you have to whatever that extracurricular thing that you so much enjoy, should you not be that much more excited about your level of commitment or your passion when it comes to Jesus Christ? Do we have that level? Are we that excited? Do we show the same amount of passion? We can all sit there and take a look at our lives and go, if we had to do a self-inventory, we would probably be somewhat disappointed. Taking a look back going, am I really that committed as I say? Am I truly living that life? Am I allowing myself to be separate? Remember what Thessalonians tells us, the will of God for your life is to be what? Holy. And we look at that word holy and we get scared of it. We're frightened by it because we, we think it means so much more than really what God is saying. And in the defining moment of that, he's really just saying, I want you to be different. That's what I want you to be. I want you to be different. Different from what? Different from society. Different from the world. You are to be set apart. When people see you as the body of Christ, they should see a difference and not the same as what the world is living. So are we that fully committed follower of Jesus? The truth today is that we live in a world where commitment is what? Less and less. So this brings us kind of to a question of the are we fully committed to Jesus? Let's take a look at a scripture, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Very familiar. We could all probably just rattle it off, but it says what? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Notice, you know, in that passage, it doesn't say that if we seek God after our careers, or we seek God after a ball game, or we seek God after we have already obtained that relationship. It says what? To seek him first and foremost. The first thing that we're doing of our part of our day, are we giving that to Jesus? 
the first of our thoughts, the first of our decisions, the first of what we are living, are we doing it as fully devoted? Are we fully committed as we say we are? Or if we truly are just saying so we feel better about ourselves? Somewhere along the way, we must take a look at ourselves and go, what am I doing wrong, Lord, that's not allowing me to be fully committed to you? Begin to do this work and this change with inside of me. Because see, watch this. When Jesus enters into a situation, that life forever is what? Changed. That life becomes different. Every time we see Jesus' presence within Scripture, whether he walks into a temple, whether he walks into a home, whether he walks into a crowd of people, what happens? Everyone within that area change takes place. A new mindset, a different attitude. So that leads me to begin to do a realization or to an inventory within our lives and go, have we really changed? Or are we still allowing the old habits to be a part of our lives because we say this all the time. I've been involved in it for so many years, I just can't break it. You're right. You can't break it. You can't do it on your own. And if you think you can, and if you're going through a time where you have broken it, I promise you, it's only for a season. The only way we can allow true change to be in our lives is when what? We allow Jesus to do the work and the change within it. We see in the Bible, in Luke chapter 5, and we're going to look at a passage of Scripture here, understand Jesus has already started his ministry up to this point. There's not a lot of record of what took place, but he has already started his ministry. He's been preaching. He's done some amazing things, but he finds himself on the seashore, and it, as he's preparing to do another teaching, and I love it, wherever Jesus is, what, a crowd follows, doesn't it not? People love to be around positive people. Have you ever noticed that? You, have you ever noticed that in your life? You love to be around people who are what are excited and passionate about something, don't you? I mean, think about this. Imagine if you had a best friend and you were like, you know what, we're going to go see the O's. And they didn't like, they, they didn't, couldn't stand sports. All they cared about was like reading. I don't know. That's not going to be the person you're going to take to the game with you, is it? You go find somebody that's got a little bit of passion, a little bit of excitement about it, right? Jesus, wherever he went, brought passion and excitement, brought ex love, brought just so much with him. And so wherever Jesus goes, wherever we see within the scriptures, man, there's a crowd. There's people following after him, all right? So he ends up on the seashore. He's, he's going about to teach, and there's so many people crowded around him that we understand he ends up in a boat and he begins to teach. But let's take a look here in the scripture, Luke chapter 5. I'm going to be looking at verses 1 all the way through 11, but we're going to break them up here. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. The word of God is very attractive in this moment. Jesus is attractive in this moment. I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about there's something that's drawing people into him. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, we also know him as Peter, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. 
Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and, we ha- and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, we're going to take a look at three separate things here this morning that I really truly believe will help us through this passage of Scripture to live uh, directively a, a more committed life, you know, if, if I can say it that way. The first one is this. We have to let our boat be used, all right? Verse 3, we understand it. In the text, it says, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon. Now, many of us think that Jesus was just out and about walking around. He comes up on the, you know, uh, to the shore, randomly stumbles upon Simon, or who we know and understand as Peter, and goes to him and says, hey, man, you just need to follow me. So what do we think? Peter drops everything and just follows. What I want to help you to understand here for a moment is that Jesus' ministry had already begun even prior to this moment. All right, how many of you have ever, a complete stranger ever come up to you and be like, hey, just follow me, we're going to go somewhere. It's like, you know, kids, don't go to the guy in the van, right? That type of deal. So here you got this, the scripture's telling us that Jesus goes to the seashore, gets into this boat, starts teaching and preaching, looks at the guy who owns the boat and says, all right, now you just need to follow me. That's not exactly how that went down. It did and it didn't. Let me, let me help you understand this. Peter actually had a knowledge of who Jesus was up to this point. It's believed that, G, that Peter was somewhere within his 20s when this took place. You ever see the, 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 um, you know, the, the plays and the dramatizations and Peter's like this, you know, rough age, middle-aged guy, right? Now, he's probably pretty young, actually. Somewhere in his 20s is what they believe he was when he first was approached by Christ. And, and, and so here he is, and he had a little bit of a knowledge of who Jesus was. He had heard about some of his teachings. He had already heard about many of you know, uh, the healings that had taken place. And, and so he understood who Jesus was prior to this moment. Now, we understand that the scripture tells us that simply he was over, what, taking care of his nets while Jesus was speaking. So we understand that in this passage of scripture that Peter was within an earshot of Jesus. He was okay with hearing the message while he was still going about doing his thing. Understanding he had a knowledge of who Jesus was. He had an understanding. He had heard of him. He possibly have, has already heard some of his teachings firsthand. But in this moment, it was different because now Jesus was taking something of his and was using it in order to minister to a large group of people. But while he was doing that, Peter was off to the side with others. What were they doing? They were fixing their nets, cleansing their nets. I see that very clearly for us as individuals in the sense of we have an understanding. We know what a move of God is. We've seen it. We've witnessed it. We've heard the teaching. We've even read them. 
but we're all right with it as long as we're a distance away doing our thing. This right here for Peter was a life transformation moment for him. He had been educated. He had heard. He had been equipped. And now the time was right where Jesus was going to go to him and say, now here's what you need to do. He was taking what he had, speaking of Peter, and beginning to use it in order to reach people's lives. That is a great illustration for us because many of you have abilities, giftings, talents, things about you that become attractive to people that can be used, but we're okay with simply just being within earshot of what the message is. We know him, don't mind hearing about him, wanting a large catch, what, within our nets, but staying just enough away that I can hear him but not have to change everything I'm doing within my life. I hope there's some conviction that kind of hits you right now. I want you to think about that with you. Are you just keeping yourself just so far away that you feel good about your life and how you're living it, but yet not fully going into the deep with him? Now, this brings us up to number two. We have to push out a little. Verse three and the scripture says, and speaking of Christ, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. See, it's, it's one thing to take what we own and begin to make it available for Jesus, but it's another to step out by faith from the security within the land. It's one thing to say, yes, Lord, use me, but it's another to actually push out from the security of comfort. I find myself, you know, being in ministry and, and talking to people so many times, and, and they come up to me and, Pastor, I really feel led about doing something. And I'm, not, I'm not saying that in generalization, of doing something for the church, for, for Jesus, for, for, you know, the kingdom. And, and they get very excited about it, okay? And which excites me as a pastor because you want people to go out there and go after it and let's do this thing. And, and I go, that's great. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray about it. I want you to pray about it. And there's, there's two reasons why I do that. One, I don't want you to act in an emotional response because it's just going to fail. All right? Prayer is so much important. When we feel that God's leading us in our hearts, God, begin to show me. Show me. Reveal to me how this needs to happen. Reveal to me. Put that desire him, let it grow to the point where I can't stand myself. Has anybody ever been there before? You're just ready to rip out of your skin because you can't stand yourself because you know you've got to do something for, for the calling of God? I've been there. I know what that's about. I know how that feels. And number two, it really goes to prove whether or not they're committed to that thing. I've had many people come up to me and say, you know, I want to do this, and I go, well, pray about it. I haven't heard back from them. I know what, that was more likely an emotional response in that moment. I've had others go and come right back and I go, all right, let's do it then. 
Let's go after it. You see, sometimes what we do is when we, we get scared. We get frightened. Well, God can never use me. God can never take my abilities and talents. If God put the desire inside of you, God can use you. If he put the abilities with inside of you, God can use you. I love it when this story with Peter, what happened? God, Jesus just gets right into the boat, takes what Peter had and begins to use it. Why? Because Peter was being, before he came to Christ, already discipled. He was already being educated. He was already being well-trained within the word. You know, for Peter, this wasn't easy for him to do. Chances are this was a, a, a lucrative business for him. It was more likely it was a generational business from family to family to family all through to where he was now involved in that. Probably making a very good living doing it, but yet still dropping all of that in order to what? Fulfill the greater cause. Are you fully committed? Are we? We use that word so wrongly, commitment. I'm committed. Are you committed? Are you going after those things of Christ? Are you doing those things that you should be doing? Are you getting into his word? Are you allowing prayer to be a part of your daily life? Are you allowing a season of fasting to be a part of your life? Jesus was wanting to see, was wanting to see Peter not convince himself, but rather recognize that he was needing to be obedient in this moment. This wasn't a moment where Jesus was making anyone do anything. This was a moment in Peter's life where Jesus was looking for obedience. Are you going to do as I've called you? Are you going to do, are you going to take the abilities, the talents that I've given you and actually push out and go with the, into the deep? Which brings us to number three. That we have to launch into the deep. Verse four says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. That's where we truly experience God within the deepness. See, it's one thing for us. Watch this. It's one thing for us to be within the shallow waters spiritually. Why? Because then we feel that we are still in control. Even if the current is strong, my feet are still on ground and I dictate the direction that I want to go in. And it, 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 there's comfort in that, is there not? There's assurance in that. There's security in that type of thinking, in that type of living. We have security within ourselves. We become what? Safe. We are comfortable with that type of livelihood. Because why? I know what I'm doing in this and I can make the best judgment. And Lord, I can make the best decision as long as I can feel that I'm still in control. When we allow ourselves to become fully submerged spiritually within our, that commitment with Jesus, it should be to the point where we are going, I am no longer in control of self, but rather I'm giving control, Lord, to you. It's not going to be about where my two feet can take me. It's going to be, Lord, about the current of your Holy Spirit and which way it pushes me, which way it pulls me. 
in the direction, Lord, that you want me to go in. We've gotten comfortable where we are spiritually. And watch this. I believe there's different stages spiritually within our lives. I, I truly do. I believe there's different depths when we get into that water. I believe when we're first saved and into the body of Christ, we're new at this, we're, we're getting familiar with this, and it's, it's a gradual thing for us. And as we grow, we're getting deeper and deeper into it. But we have gotten so accustomed to where we are, some, some of us, that we're okay right here because I'm still in control of it. Even though at one point maybe you felt like you were no longer in control and you were giving it all over to Jesus. But then you got used to that. And you know how to what? You know how to flow in it. You know how to function in it. So then what? God challenges us. How does he challenge us? To go a little deeper. To get a little bit fully, more fully submerged in his presence. In that what? Commitment. Don't be scared of that word commitment when it comes to Christ. Don't look at it as something that could be broken. No, I've had people say, well, I'm scared that I will break my commitment with him. No. <laughs> Are you more powerful than God? He placed you where? In the palm of his hand. That moment you gave your life. You truly think you can take yourself out of it? Now, I want us to go a little bit further in the scripture. Chapter, uh, verse 5 says this. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to what? Break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. I want to stop there again because here's another moment where someone was obedient. Imagine if Peter was never obedient in this moment. Not only would he have not received such blessing, but what did it say? Other boats had to be called over. Why? Because of Peter's obedience. If Peter would have never been obedient in that moment, these other individuals would never have been impacted in such the fashion that they were. I want you to get this so bad. I want you to understand that through your obedience, you're not only impacting your own life, but that circle, that influence that you have. Those family members, those friends, they potentially are, you are setting them up for something also. This life is not just about you. It's how you can impact others. Now let me go on. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and then did, what did they do? Followed him. We go through salvation. We get baptized, and then we begin to grow deeper and deeper and deeper, fully submerged in this relationship with Christ. I want to give you a story here right quick. The other, uh, 
a week and a half ago, I guess, or maybe two weeks now, we went to Lancaster, Pennsylvania, most boring place on the face of the earth. I get some ahs and some boos there all at the same time. And it rained the entire time, okay? Think about that. But something really cool happened to me while I was there. I, we went to go see that, that show Jesus at Sight and Sound. Some of you have seen that, right? And uh, so I'm sitting there, and, and I'm sitting beside my two boys. One wasn't feeling good. He was, he was asleep, Caden. I'm, I'm not going to say a joke on that one. And then, and then Carter was sitting beside me, and Carter was like, he's my eight-year-old. He was seven at the time. He was like on the edge of his seat like this the entire time watching the story. But not only was he watching, but he was interrupting me from watching because he asked 100,000 questions during it. Why is that happening? Why is this going on? Why, Daddy? Why is this? Why is that? Why is this? And I'm just, I'm like, can you shut up? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I might have been thinking it. And uh, so I'm, 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 you know, trying to be that narrative through the story of, of Jesus. If you haven't seen it, they did a fantastic job should go see it. And um, at the end, they give a call for salvation. And uh, the, the speaker begins to explain the whole call for salvation in that moment. And uh, he begins to tell them about accepting Jesus Christ in your life as your Lord and Savior. Begin to, to explain about baptism. And then begin to explain that they had workers there in the front that would be honored to pray with them. And, I'm um, sorry, I'm sitting there, and Carter looks at me when they say baptism. He's like, oh, I want to be baptized. And I looked at him, I said, well, buddy, I said, you, you got to do something first before you can do that. And he's seven, and, and we're, I, I'm, I'm, we're still teaching him, and we're always going to be teaching him about Jesus and, and truly understand. You know, I want there to be an understanding to our little one. There has to be an understanding. There has to be a knowledge and not just an emotional response. And I looked at him, I said, well, son, I said, you've got to accept Jesus in your life before you can be baptized. He goes, well, I'm ready. You know, I, 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 it broke, right there, I, I looked at him, I said, all right, well, we're, you and I, we're going to talk about this. Seven years old at the time. No, he's eight. Excuse me. He's eight years old at the time. And right then, maybe it was so he could just be dunked in water. I don't know. He's going to have an understanding. Don't you worry about that. Before that ever happens, there's going to be a full commitment. But I sat there and I thought to myself in that moment, as a dad, that impacted me like you wouldn't believe. To know that there's a desire there. He's being taught the word of God. He's seeing the word of God. And something is drawing him to Jesus. And I look at us and I go, and, and, and I, I, I sat there and I saw my emotional response in that moment. And all I could think of, how does Jesus respond when we give our lives to him? Not only when we make that commitment, but how about this? When we get deeper, go deeper into it. Does he emotionally get tore up like I was in that moment? Probably so much more.
And who doesn't want to make their Heavenly Father proud? Who doesn't want to make their Heavenly Father full of excitement and tears of joy? There wasn't tears of sorrow in that moment for me. That was like he's getting it. (laughs) I do a lot of things wrong as a dad, but apparently we're doing something right. I want you to stand with me this morning. You know, until Jesus, or excuse me, until Peter, rather, invited Jesus into his boat and launched into the deep, it was simply business as normal for him. But once Jesus got into that boat, everything from that moment on changed. What is that boat in your life? That's you. Jesus, come into this. Come into my life. Come into this boat. Use me. Take what you have given me. Your abilities are your boat. Your talents are your boat. Those interests are your boat. All of that, whatever makes you you, that's your boat. Jesus, come in. Come in. You know, Peter had a knowledge of who he was. He had heard of his healings. He probably sat down and listened. He was probably part of some of those crowds and heard the teaching. And he was okay with it for a season, wasn't he? Standing off from a distance and hearing it made him comfortable. Why? Because he was still in control. But that moment became different when Jesus stepped into his way of life and said, I want to use what you have and do greater, greater, greater things. But none of that means anything if Peter never would have responded and been obedient and said yes. Yes, Lord, you be the Lord of my life. You be my master. I will follow you from this day forward. Everybody, ever I close, I want to ask that question today. For many of you, that's what Jesus is doing right now. I think back at how I responded when I was talking to Carter, my son, in that moment. And that joy that just come over me and that emotion that came over me, the same thing, that's what Jesus is wanting to do over you today. If you don't know who this Jesus Christ is and you want him in your life as your Lord and Savior, all I want you to do is just slip up your hand. See that hand. See that hand. See that one. More importantly, God sees them. Give another moment. If you want that Jesus in your life, I see that one really extended high. It's awesome. God sees them. Here's what I want us to do as a church. I want us to pray this boldly, enthusiastically, all of us together. Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. I want you to be my Lord my master, my savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live right. Help me to allow your word and prayer to be a part of my life. Lead me, guide me, protect me. I love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. That right there is awesome. That right there is what it's all about. But now we're going to take it just a step further. And that is this. You have the knowledge. You know who he is. You even have the relationship, but yet you're still in control of your life because it's easier to live that way, so you think. Sometimes the best thing to do is just go with the flow, go with the tide that what Jesus is taking us, allowing the Holy Spirit to move with it. There's nothing like it when you're in the will of God. There's no greater joy than there is when you're in the will of God. Peter that day found himself in a crossroad. He could either go against the flow or he could go with it. Speaking of Christ. Allowing himself to what? Become fully submerged. Not about, he gave everything up. His old life was no longer. He continued to push forward in his new life with Jesus. And I think to myself many times that we, we've handcuffed ourselves or we've handcuffed the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've handcuffed God within our lives. Because we say, we only want so much of you in this moment. Only want so much of you right now because there's still things that I'm battling with and going, man, give it up. No longer allow yourself to give in to all of that any longer. Peter, what? He stepped out. He went on. And God uses life mightily to transform and to change. I want God to do that with you today. If that's you and you would say, you know what, Pastor, I, I need that in my life. I need, to full, I need to know what it is to step out. I need to know what it is to go, you know what, God, take me. Take my boat. Take my abilities. Take my talents. And let's use them for you, for the greater cause. Let's make a difference in our circle, right? Let's make a difference in our family. Let's make a difference in our jobs. Let's make a difference in people's lives. If that's you today, I just want you to slip up your hand. Excellent. People all over the place. Lord, use them. God, you see every heart, every lifted hand here today. You see your people, God, who are saying, Lord, take me. Use me, Father, Lord. Let me. God, just, just as Peter did that day, Father, we're doing here in this place this morning, God. Take these giftings, abilities, talents within us, Lord. Let us push out. Go away from the securities of this world, the comfort, God, that maybe we have created and step out in you going out into the deep, being fully submerged in you, God, allowing us, Lord, to be, you know, taken in the direction that you blow us into, God, that you take us into, and not in our own powers or the powers of others. But God, let us be fully committed to you this day moving forward. Father, we love you. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing in the lives of your people. God, as we leave this place today, as the psalmist said, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart ah, be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen. We love you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving.